So it's episode 41. This is Deutero Cannons. My name is Justin, and with me always is Byron. Party on, Byron. Party on, Justin. Thank you. I had to think about that because I'm Byron and you're Justin. Duh. It's true. <laughs> yes. I was I was saying it with you in my head. <laughs> Identity crisis averted. That's right. You're not Justin. You're Byron. Oh. Oh man, this does sound good. Do my Barry Manilow voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Barry Manilow, but I guess we should tell uh, tell people. They I mean they can't see. What's, we're in a different place. We're in a different place. They might be able to tell just from how this sounds because the audio quality could be better. Could I mean, be. I mean, I don't. I don't mean that the audio quality could be better. I mean that that we can't tell, and so it's possible that the audio quality could be enhanced from the last time they listened to the Deutero Cannons podcast. Right. I mean, it could be that like the setup we have is better, but then maybe we're losing some of that with the acoustics of this room. I think we have a better setup. Yeah. Equipment-wise, and we have an inferior setup, soundproofing-wise. Because there's literally literally nothing around us except walls right now. Walls, a Marshall half-stack? Yeah. That's no, a Marshall cab. Yeah. So it's like a quarter-stack. Right. That head is a, uh, what is that? It's a Rogue. So. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. But the reason that we're, we're somewhere else is because we're doing this from my house now. Now, what I was thinking is when we do finally get a room that is more aesthetically uh, appealing and then we could potentially go live folks is we do have to have a picture RH bowl in here. Yeah, absolutely. We do. I think that's appropriate. And uh, are we going to do super chats? (laughs) I don't even know how to do that. (laughs) I I don't, I don't know either. We can look into it between now and then. All right. Think about the things that are on the board and say those things. Although I'll be honest, I kind of feel like I'm over telling people to like share and subscribe. Like, do people not know how to use the internet at this point? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I will say most people do say things like that, but they usually tack it on either at the beginning or the end. The the ones that have like a commercial in the very middle. Yeah, but do they say it because it's necessary or because that's what you say on the internet? Maybe a little of both. There's perceived necessity. Yeah. Minimum Maybe perceived we, necessity. Is it for the old old people is that why they do it i don't know (laughs) i don't know it's kind of a shibboleth i think i just feel like people who frequent the internet at this point probably understand how uh the algorithm works and how liking and sharing and subscribing and hitting the notification bell not that we have all those things come into play i'll be honest i'm kind of uh stingy with my liking on the internet absolutely i am do you think there's people that just go on there and like everything I, i think so just hand out likes like fifth grade, like fifth place ribbons, or like Valentine's in a third grade classroom. Yeah, you really got you really have to go the extra mile for me to like something. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. Like I'll literally watch and be like, you know what, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I, I almost never click like to anything because I I don't want to feed the algorithm. Which I know that's why, for example, a, a good guy named Viva Fry he he tells people to click like to feed the algorithm. But I think Viva. That's the opposite of what I want to do. Yeah. I want to starve the algorithm, and if the algorithm could die by my hand, well, you know, I would dedicate myself to that task. I just want people to, like, they need to really impress me because chances are whatever they're doing on the internet, there's like 10 other people also doing that. Right, so for anybody who happens to be listening, uh, you know, you don't have to interact on online with us at all. 
if you don't feel like it, that's cool. You can just listen. But if you happen to mention there you go, this to a friend, that means a whole lot more. So recommendations, uh, comments to friends, things of that nature, go for it. That would be, you know, and I have, I have nothing to prove this, but, uh, I think the, that word of mouth could be more powerful. (laughs) That's based in nothing. Well, I, I think that it is because, uh, several of the sources of information that I frequent, I found out about not from copious surfing on the web, but from people who I trusted who said, Hey, this is a good source of information. You should check it out. And yeah. I did. And it turned out that it was like, that's, that's so true though. Cause any of the podcasts I listen to are either something that somebody else told me about, or they were our guests on a show that I already listened to. So Byron, is it time to open the Bible to Genesis? Did you just go to Genesis? No, I'm in numbers. Oh. Okay. Now I'm not going to stay in numbers. And in fact, that was just the, uh, you know, the obligatory first flip. I'm in numbers also. Okay, good start. <laughs> so uh, first question. Oh, oh, by the way, there's not really a title tonight at this point. For episode 40. For episode 41. 41. Yeah. There's not quite a title. We'll come up with something as we go. You might, you've used before, there's something about work. Maybe I could say there's something about holy. Okay. That's not really a correct grammatic construction right there. Yes. The word holy is thrown around a whole lot in the church. What would you say is the common cultural and or churchy understanding of the word holy? Well, I'll tell you the first place my mind goes is to that country song where they use it as an acronym for high on loving you. Oh, serious? Yeah. I've never heard that. Well, it's a modern day country song, so. High on loving you? Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, it is. Anyways, <laughs> that, that's right up there with we Jesus. Gotta, take the wheel. We just. Get <laughs> uh, so okay, your question was what? What is like the? Con- I guess that's what happened with Ted Kennedy, right? Jesus took the wheel. Ooh, <laughs> too soon. Splash. Okay. Uh, so you asked me what? What is like a like the generic the cultural cultural and or churchy, which might be the same thing, mm-hmm. understanding of the word holy. You know, I guess I feel like maybe holy for most folks is probably something that is uh, almost like high church on a pedestal, regal, like mm-hmm. uh, something elevated, let's say. Okay. Yeah. So something is holy to the extent that it's elevated. Sure. Okay. All right. So a, so a church would be holy. Yeah. And a fancy church would be really holy. Yes. And within the, the really fancy church, is there any place that's holier than the other places? Oh, yeah. So maybe up front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where that tends to be up on a, like on a, a platform of some type. Well, kudos to you and uh, society in general, if that's the, uh, the common understanding. I'll confess that this is not really a confession. It's just, I guess, anecdotal. Wait, wait, wait. Was that close to right? It's way closer to right than, yeah, th- th- than oh. I would give society credit for. Then maybe but, society didn't come up with that one. Maybe you're just maybe you're you're just a lot smarter, and because you're you're smarter than yep, that's it. Th- th- you know, than the average bear, <laughs> let's say, you you've given society more due than they deserve. Probably, yeah, I think so. Okay. 
So my understanding of the word when I was, I don't know, maybe 12 or maybe I came to it when I was, you know, young was that holy meant sinless. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that I could see that there was no way that I could ever be holy. Right. Even, even if I were forgiven, saved, baptized, yada, 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 Mm -hmm. there was no way to be holy because I knew I was sinful. Okay. And if I, if I were holy, it would mean that I weren't sinful, but I know that I am sinful, so I can't be holy. So we're saying it's, uh, it's like a synonym or analogous. Is that the proper word for, to like purity? Yeah. 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 That, that, that's right. But absolute sinless perfection could be called holiness. Okay. Cause it's next to godliness. That's cleanliness. Second hesitations. What? 412. <laughs> Or is that in Hezekiah? <laughs> so w- w- what I discovered, I, I didn't, I didn't discover this for, for quite some time. I, I think that I was, I was an adult. I was probably out of college. I was probably out of grad school. I probably was an adult, uh, or a real adult though, till I was out of grad school and, and, you know, paying bills. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of how it goes, right? Uh, like a person is an adult to the extent that a person pays bills. Sure. I'd say there's a part of that. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I, w- I was grown by the time I figured out that that, but, that, but not an adult because you weren't paying bills. No, 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 no. I, I think that I didn't figure this out until I was probably paying bills. Okay. So really not that long ago, actually, <laughs> <laughs> maybe within the last 10 years, I, w- I was thinking more about this, this word holy and, and the process of thinking about churchy words okay words that are good and important so and in are, common usage in most churches yeah, I that, assume. yeah that's yeah. right that's right some people refer to it as christianese which i think is maybe a, a little too pejorative mm-hmm. for it because i think that words like holy are are enormously important and i think that an effort should be made to understand words that we use commonly the words that come up so much in scriptures so much in um, songs that we sing yeah. that we need to make every effort to un- understand what they mean. I'll be honest, one of my favorite songs, I mean, that's the first three words of it. Okay. Holy, holy. Oh, good. I was going to ask you to quote it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That that was one of my favorite songs. It too. wouldn't be Duro Cannons without me singing on here at least once, I suppose. But you didn't beatbox. I did. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah what oh dun, 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 dun. no I there didn't. it is yeah holy 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 lord god almighty early in the morning our song shall rise to thee yes so even though that says holy 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 which you know that you remember where in the scriptures that comes from uh uh hmm oh that's in revelation right yeah yeah from the living creatures correct uh, is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Right. The, the Almighty. Can you think of any other hymns uh, or so- songs that we sing that, that use the word holy? Oh, man. There's holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. There's that one. What's another one? Holy, holy, let's see. More holiness give me. Uh, more holiness give me. Winston likes that one. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Um, I sh- I feel like there should be a bunch that come to me, and I don't know why I'm not. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. There should be. We should go. Gra- we should have grabbed a songbook. I should have grabbed a song. How do you not have a songbook here? That's the first book that goes on the shelf. Well, it's down the blue book. I do have one. It's down on the piano. Though. Okay, well, that's a good. Actually, wait a second. Is that a good place for it? I have I have a collection of songbooks on the piano. Not sure how I feel about the piano and songbooks, Byron. Uh, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. So, so one of the things that, that I, I try to do when it comes to dealing with words like holy or glory or other other good, important words is I, is I try to find the first time that they're mentioned in the scriptures. Oh, okay. So if you were to guess, of course, this is just a guess. There, there's no penalty. There's no aspersions if you get this wrong. Where would you say the first mention of the word holy would be in the Bible? I'm going to guess... It's when Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him. That's a really good guess, but not quite that early. Okay. Is it when... I feel it's going to be like when somebody was standing on holy ground. Yes. Well, that's convenient. (laughs) Look at that. It just appeared. We must be loud. They must be able to hear us. Are are we broadcasting to the kitchen? (laughs) No. What what room are we over? We are the garage, over. right? No, we're we're over the kitchen. Oh, we are over the kitchen. Yeah. Although I will tell you, because we are adjacent to Madeline's room, when she's uh, playing her music and dancing, it's like I'm living underneath a studio or something. <laughs> okay, so so what's the answer then? Exodus chapter three. But when you said holy ground, I mean, you, you basically nailed it. Okay, so when it, it's when Moses is told to take off his sandals? Exactly. Yes. Let's see if there's... Hold on. Do, do we want to still see what songs have Yeah, go for it. Um, okay, the only song with holy in the title is Holy, Holy, Holy. Hmm. At least this is the first word. Yeah. But there, there's there's got to be several others. Yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty common church song word. So if you're listening to this at home, you could drop a comment with your favorite song that includes the word holy. See what I did there? I did. You know, that would be even better. Crowdsourcing. If we were interacting live. We'll get there. We will. We'll get back there. Hopefully there's enough super chats that it's really distracting. (laughs) So we're going to Exodus? Exodus chapter 3. All right. All right, so uh, I'll read the first first uh, four verses, and no, I'll read the first three, and then you pick up four through six. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, saw that, Uh, Though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. All right, right here we go. Moses, Moses. This sound is great. (laughs) And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. 
Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. You said through six? Through six, yeah. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Okay, so so there we have it. Um, take off your sandals, for the ground that you were standing on is holy ground. Hmm. Okay, so what what are we what are we to make of that? Uh, you know, I don't know, but it, well, okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, in a lot of Middle Eastern cultures, it's common. I, mean, I guess even Oriental cultures, it's common mm-hmm. to take your shoes off before you go in somewhere. It's also common in my house. Well, in this, well, not as common in this house now because we have so much tile, and just because I didn't take my shoes off. Sorry, I don't. I'm walking around with my shoes on. Okay, apology rescinded. I think she's finally uh, just you know accepted it. Yeah, that's good. Anywho, um, but I mean, I think a lot of that is because you know you track in dirt and eventually that dirt builds up mm-hmm. particularly in a time where there was no paved roads and stuff and everybody's walking around in sandals yeah so there's probably some real utility in in that practice but it almost makes me wonder like kind of back to your your comment on holiness equating to cleanliness somehow if if there's something to that i know also in middle eastern cultures you don't show people the bottom of your foot cuz that's considered disrespectful yeah so and I don't, I don't really know the origins of that, that custom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, s- sometimes certain body parts are analogous to others. Yeah. And I would think that that would have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's, here's another place where it's used Exodus chapter 12. And I know that we didn't quite get down to a precise biblical definition but that's okay because I'd, I'd like to sort of triangulate. Okay. So Exodus 12, uh, let's see, <clears throat> verses, all right, this is a long chapter. Uh, 14 through 16, so I'll take 14 and 15, and you can take 16. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. So I know that in, in the versions that we have, it didn't use the word holy. Mm-hmm. But there's um, the, the Hebrew word for holy, which is uh, Kadesh. Mm-hmm. It's like Q-O-D-E-S-H in, uh, in English. And in, in Hebrew, it's uh, like Kof, Vav, Dalit, Hey, so like Q D S H, basically for the for the consonants, and and that word does show up in verse sixteen, and you can probably guess which one it is. Wait, this is the word for what now? Uh, so Kadesh, which is the Hebrew word for holy, that didn't show holy didn't show up, but a different word did. Sacred. Sacred. Okay, so a sacred assembly or a holy. Assembly. So we have holy ground, we have holy assembly, mm-hmm. and let's see. 
now uh, go to Exodus chapter 15. Is this, are we going to get to the Sabbath? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Yes, we are. That's going to be in Exodus 16. Okay. Uh, So in Exodus 15, this is the song of uh, Moses and Miriam. So this is after they get through the Red Sea on the other side. And uh, 15, I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Hmm. So we had holy ground, holy assembly, mm-hmm. and now we have holy dwelling. holy dwelling. Okay, so then 16, and uh, you can read this one. How, how about uh, verses uh, like 22 and 23? Okay. Uh, let's see. Where is it? On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So a holy, a holy day. Holy, holy day, holy Sabbath. A holy Sabbath. <clears throat> Okay, now 22. And so, you know, the fact that this is coming up so frequently in Exodus, I I think is also pretty telling, and maybe that's something that we can get into here in a minute, is like, why is this word, this word that didn't show up in Genesis at all, Mm -hmm. why is it so prevalent in in Exodus, and and what might that tell us? But we will triangulate a little bit more uh, before we we get there. Okay, so 22, could you read verses 30 and 31? Okay. Do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth day. You are to be my holy people, so do not eat the meat of an animal torn by wild beasts. Throw it to the dog. Holy people. Holy people. So we've got holy ground... Holy assembly, holy dwelling, dwelling, holy Sabbath, holy Sabbath, holy holy people. people. Uh, let's see. In twenty six, we we have a reference to a holy place, <clears throat> um, but twenty six, uh, cha- chapter twenty six, verse thirty three. This is talking about the tabernacle. Yeah, and and I think that this might be a good place to to pause and just mention that uh, I started thinking about this again recently because we've been reading excerpts out of Exodus and Leviticus with the, uh, the, the younger kids. Mm-hmm. Missy and I kind of joined together mm-hmm. our, our classes recently. I mean, cause you know, they're not very big to begin with. Right. And, but that's what I was already doing with, with the boys that I had. We had gone through a whole lot of Exodus and then got into Leviticus and so th- this was something that, that, that came up. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that I also want to get into is like a, a, a way that I was trying to give these, you know, younger kids between the ages of seven and 11. How, how old is Owen? 11? Is yeah. he 11? Okay. Yeah. Like a, a way of conceptualizing what holy means. So anyway, uh, 
so Exodus 26, let's see, verses, I think, 32 and 33. Are you trying to get to the most holy place? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how about just 33? Okay, so me? Yeah. Hang the curtain from the class and place the Ark of the Covenant law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate separate the holy place from the most holy place. Oh. So you have a holy place and a most holy place. Yeah, so inside of the holy place, there's a place that's even holier. It's the Holy of Holies also is what that's called, right? Right, right, Holy of Holies. And I don't know if it was referred to as the Holy of Holies until you, we get to the temple, but it's the same, I think it's the same idea. Is that like, like-like? Holy, holy? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there, there's another there's another holy in 28. I'll take this one. Uh, this is talking about the priestly garments. Uh, 28 verse 2, make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. So now holy garments. Yep. It's, it's really staggering when you, when you put all this together to see how many times and how uh, of how many different things this is, um, being used as, as a descriptor. Uh, let's see, uh, 2838, this is still dealing with uh, <clears throat> priestly type things. Uh, 2838 says, it will be on Aaron's forehead. Sorry, I got to back up, uh, 36. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to attach it to the turban. It will be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead and he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate, whatever their gifts may be. It will be on Aaron's forehead continually, so they will be acceptable to the Lord. So we have holy to the Lord actually on this, I mean, a, <clears throat> like a dog tag or something, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's on this turban. But then we also have, uh, again, a reference to sacred or holy gifts that the Israelites present. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, and, and in Exodus 29, there's a holy crown. And also in Exodus 29, it refers again to the holy garments of Aaron and, and back again to a holy place. Let's see. Looking, flipping through my notes here. Okay, Exodus 30. <clears throat> and could you read Exodus 30, 10? 30, 10. Once a year, Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. This annual atonement must be made with the blood of atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. So that, so that particular offering is is most holy. So to think about all of the offerings that, that would have been offered mm -hmm. th throughout the year on, on the altar at the tabernacle. Yeah. But talking about, I guess, like the Day of Atonement, yeah. that's... Most holy, so a, a holy of holies in terms of the gifts given. Okay, so go, going through Exodus, I mean, the word holy is coming up in nearly every chapter. So, this is a good place, I think, to pause. So we've we've heard all these things being referred to as holy, but it doesn't sound like it's talking about sinless. Right. 
So that that blows my preconceived notion from when I was younger totally out of the water. Okay, so when I, I when I was trying to I guess define holy the way I thought the world would, that's not really my understanding of holy. So, uh, and I guess what what I understand holy to be it sounds a little bit more like what what this is, mm-hmm. and so. I mean, I guess I, I thought of it more in terms of almost like, I, I guess similar to, the, to, to, to like righteous, so like set apart. Okay. And so I think that maybe righteous and set apart um, might, be, might be two different things. Like something might be righteous and something might be set apart, but something, uh, but, but that doesn't mean that the two are the same thing. And I, I think that what happens sometimes is that, that we conflate. Mm-hmm. We, um, I, I think that it, it's easy to like if two things are important and two things are related to not recognize the distinction between the two. Okay. Is to be holy to be set apart though? Yeah, that that's exactly what it means. Yeah. Holy means uh set apart and it also doesn't necessarily in every situation indicate something that is well, for example, lepers, in a sense, were set apart. Okay, yeah. So, but yeah, so the word holy means <clears throat> set apart. Uh, let's see. So my next question is why? Like, why in the world, if this word is so important that it's coming up, and like once we once once the Israelites actually get out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. The, like the word holy is showing up like multiple times a chapter or every other chapter. Yeah. Tons and tons of times. I, th- I think it has. Well, no, I, I lost my count here, but dozens of times that it's used mm-hmm. in Exodus alone. So why not Genesis? Why is it? Why is it Exodus? So something that I was thinking about, particularly when we were reading about the Sabbath, uh, I heard a guy talking about this, and I can't remember the po- name of the podcast. Uh, Jim Atwood actually shared it with me. Okay. But he was talking about the Sabbath and how what is uh, unique about the Sabbath or, or why that might have been special to the Israelites is because they're coming from a place of, of being enslaved mm-hmm. where every day you were working. And so to have... Uh, to to be in a place now where you can have a day to just not to just to, to just rest mm-hmm. to set that day aside would have been significant to them. Sure. Um. So I, I mean I don't know I don't know if that has anything to do with it to ha- maybe something to do with what what they have just escaped. Mm-hmm. You know the enslavement in Egypt. Uh, why that why you might be seeing that in Exodus and not Genesis. Yeah, I, I do think that 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 has something to it. Um, so the, the way that, the way that I started trying to explain this to the younger kids, because, you know, cause I, like I wanted it to be concrete for them. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want it to be something that was, that was abstract. Yeah. So I took him back to Genesis because even though the word isn't there, I think the idea is. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So, and, and I did this when we were talking about the tabernacle and, and we were, um, and, and Owen, which I guess I've got his Bible right now, it, it's got some pretty great illustrations. Yeah, it does. All, all the way through it of, of things like that. And so you you have, 
you know, so, and, and I drew this out on the board. I drew a rectangle that represented like the tabernacle itself. Yep. And so then we know that there's a, like a, a, a boundary mm-hmm. around the tabernacle, like a courtyard yep. of the tabernacle. Yeah. And so I, so I asked the kids, okay, so, um, and, was, and so then, then around that I drew like the camp of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, so, so what are all these things? And, you know, they were able to identify them. And I said, okay, so inside of the camp of Israel, what's the holiest place? Like the tabernacle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I I, I focused them on, you know, like the tabernacle complex. Mm -hmm. I said, so inside of this space, what's the holiest place? And they're like, well, like the actual structure of the tabernacle. Like the holy place. Right. And I said, so inside of the tabernacle, what's the holiest place in the tabernacle? And they're like, well, the back part where the ark is. Mm-hmm. And so inside of that place, what's the holiest part? Well, the ark. The ark. Yeah. So it's it it's this this setting apart, and it's a it's a recognizing of dis- distinction. Mm-hmm. It's it. I think it's it's God training His people to recognize distinctions. Yeah. And then so on the outside of the the camp of Israel. You have you have the wilderness, mm-hmm. and and that that's that's really interesting because if you take that way of thinking, where you have wilderness on the outside, and then you have something holy within the wilderness, yeah, and then even um, layers of, of holiness mm-hmm. inside of that that camp, yeah, that's a pattern that we see that we actually do see established in Genesis, okay, with Eden. Mm-hmm. Because you had, well, even with the with the the world itself, because you have, you know, all of the cosmos, and 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 within the cosmos, well, you, you have a holy planet, Earth. Mm-hmm. But within that planet, you have a particular place. Yeah, you have Eden, mm-hmm. and it's 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 different. Mm-hmm. It's it's set apart. It's not like everything else. Yeah. And it's not that there is anything anything bad. You know, God said that, that creation was good. It was good and, and very good. And yet, in the Garden of Eden, it was even better. Mm-hmm. It was special. Something different was was happening there. So m- moving out <clears throat> moving out from Eden, we still see that that pattern even even in the fall. So how does that pattern show up? in Genesis 6 with Noah. Okay. With the ark? Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's a holy place. Right. It's a holy place because it's different than all the other places. Mm-hmm. So then moving forward again, uh the w- w- well actually what's really interesting between the ark and and the next I I guess good part of the story is uh so you have the ark and you have Abraham but in the middle, you have the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. which is a counterfeit holiness. Hmm. So this is, you got my wheels spinning here a little bit. Go for it. Because, so what I'm kind of thinking of is the idea of, you know, the difference between chaos and order. Yeah. So one of the things I've that's s- connected. I was talking about with a, a guy at work one time is, you know, like not understand, be able to understand folks who are disorganized and what are some things that we can tell them to help to help get organized. And so one of the things I was saying is like, you know, 
really when it comes down to it at the end of the day the way you organize things is you put boxes within boxes hmm. so if you think about that right like mm-hmm. if you buy a house it's a box and it needs and inside or, or three-dimensional it's a cube right so i buy a big cube and within my cube there are smaller cubes mm-hmm. and each of those cubes is it's its own little environment and we yeah we uh designate those cubes for different things so we have the dining room we have the kitchen we have the living room we have the bedroom and so the first step to organizing my life is putting bedroom things in the bedroom and putting kitchen things in the kitchen right mm-hmm. so then let's say one of those rooms in particular is disorganized let's say it's a bedroom well i'm just gonna put more cubes or more boxes in that box so i put a dresser in and i put a closet in maybe i put a bed in with some drawers underneath the bed and then i can segregate those boxes even further by having drawers in right. my dresser but i mean like i'm sure everybody's had a junk drawer. and the drawers can have dividers right so everybody's had a junk drawer before right yes and so one of the ways you can organize a junk junk drawers by getting small little like organizer baskets or dividers right so boxes within boxes within boxes and so like this idea that you're talking about being in the wilderness and then having the israel israel camp which the way it's been taught to me before is you, like you said you have the tabernacle in the middle Mm-hmm. And then you have the 12 tribes of Judah, almost like in formation. Their camps are in formation oh, yeah, around yeah, it. So, yeah, it was, it was very orderly. So three on each side, right? And then, like you said, inside the tabernacle we have, or inside the courtyard you have the tabernacle itself. Inside of that you have the holy place. Inside of that you have the, uh, I said tabernacle. Yeah, the, the Ark of the Covenant. Right. And so it's almost like if you want to bring order to something chaotic, one of the first things you do is create boundaries. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. And so what it seems like what God is doing is, yeah. So training his people and then training us to make distinctions. And the distinction is regarding what's on the inside and what's on the outside. Hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing about that is what's on the inside and what's on the outside. On the one hand, what's on the outside What's on the inside could be good and what what's on the outside could be bad, but it also could be what's on the inside is one thing and what's on the outside is another thing. They're just yeah. not the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so another way that this this shows up... so uh, Well, so, so moving forward, we get to Abraham, mm-hmm. and the, the, the way that that story embodies holiness is because it's, it's in that you've got the whole world... The, the whole population of the earth at that time, whatever it happened to be. But God chose Abraham. Mm-hmm. So out of the many, there was this this one. Mm-hmm. So that's that's holy. Right. Because God was making a distinction between Abraham and everyone else. Right. So then th- that situation follows, and you have Isaac and Ishmael. Mm-hmm. One of them's holy and one of them isn't. Right. And that that and I, I don't mean that to say that the ones who aren't chosen are for that reason condemned. Right. So you have the same thing with Jacob and Esau. Uh-huh. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Mm-hmm. There's a choosing of the one who's inside and the one who's outside. Well, you know, and the thing about that is I, I think the boxes within boxes is a very, let's say, symmetrical way to think about it. But I think what you're doing there is pointing out how 
it's, it's almost the same methodology, but with people, because if we look at the nation of Israel, uh, you know, like we have the Levites that Mm -hmm. had a separate purpose, maybe a holy purpose. Yeah. But then we also think of, um, like, uh, the tribe of Judah and the significance of that. Definitely. And how, you know, they are holy in their own regard. They are. Right. They are. And so the tribe of Levi is holy and the tribe of Judah is holy, but they are holy in, in, in different ways. Yeah. But what's really interesting is that, so even though you have this, this demarcation, oh, shout out to Dwight Trout, one word, two syllables, demarcation. <laughs> nice. So, so you, you have this, this separation of the tribes you have, and thus of, you know, the various roles that, that are necessary within the nation of Israel so that, yeah, they're, they're divided, they're not together and yet they're reconciled in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, so we, that, that, that's what's so, ama- one of the things that's so amazing about Jesus is that the, the opposites are reconciled in him, which I think is, is what it's getting at when it says that he's the Logos. Mm-hmm. Um, he, in other words, he's that which binds the, the opposing mm-hmm. ends like that. That's how unity comes about. There has to be this mediator, this, this middle, yeah. this middle thing. I mean, because after all, like what's more separate than God and man, yeah. especially because of sin, the, the separation that was already, I mean, inherent since he was creator and we were the created was exacerbated by sin well, you know, I was telling you last the last time we did this, I believe, you know, uh, studying the fruit of the spirit, and and uh, at least I guess the Zondervan definition of peace is bringing harmony to all relationships. And I think when you look at the nation of Israel, uh, there's a good, there's you can really really see that lived out because they have all these differences, and when uh, God is at the center, I mean, they're they're they are quite harmonious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we, at the same time, we see how when they stray from God, how the infighting begins and, 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 and they just have problems, you know? Mm-hmm. And so how all these distinctions and all this separation, this holiness can be, be complementary and, you know, work t- towards a, a unified good when they're, uh, obeying God, obeying his commandments, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so speaking of obeying God's commandments think about the way that 400 years in egypt would have affected the the con- the collective consciousness mm-hmm. of of the israelites yeah i mean 400 years ago think about what was going on right here mm-hmm. 400 years ago yeah and and how how much the things in the last 400 years have shaped how we think as not just americans but as westerners in general yeah so that that's that's pretty profound. Yeah. So it it would be no it would be no easy task for I don't know how many Israelites were there a couple million probably. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't think what where do we have an exact number? Uh I I it seems like it's somewhere it it says how many there were or mm-hmm. or an estimate or something but anyway, it was a it was a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, could you imagine like, you know, three quarters of the population of Kentucky, you know, up and moving to New Brunswick or something? Right. That's, that's insane. Well, it, it really is too. When you think about the the mass of people that was moving through the wilderness, like when, when they finally did move into the promised land and we hear about how 
like these other kings and existing nations feared them. Mm-hmm. I mean, just in the like, I don't know, the mass, the volume of people alone. I mean, that's something to be fearful of. I, I mean, I, I would have to imagine that like there were nomadic people, but I, I doubt. I mean, were there nomad nomadic peoples of that size? Like that must that must have been kind of out of the ordinary. We we haven't had. Well, I don't know what the updated numbers are for this year so far, but I don't think that we had that many people cross the southern border last year. Well, and that's what I was, I was kind of thinking about is like the the migrant, you know, what were they calling it, caravan? Migrant caravans, yeah. Yeah, and how, how fearful people were of that here. Well, yeah. And that was in the thousands? Thousands, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I don't know how many people are, are crossing the border without permission annually. A couple hundred thousand, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Like I could be off on that. So don't quote me. Yeah. But uh, so with the whole Exodus thing, you you have Israel for 400 years as slaves. Mm -hmm. And then for God to to bring them, bring them out. But part of his bringing them out was actually by reestablishing the fact that they were a holy people. Yeah. And he and, and one of the ways that that happened was not not just in specifically calling them out and, and sending Moses to say, you know, God says, let let my people go. Mm-hmm. But also in the fact that the plagues didn't affect Goshen. Hmm. Yeah. So there was a distinction. Right. You know? Yeah. The the hail fell on Egypt, mm-hmm. didn't fall on Goshen. It was dark in Egypt, not dark in Goshen. But I mean it was still part of the land of Egypt. So within the land of Egypt, you have this holy margin. Yeah. That's well it's holy in the sense that it's different. Mm-hmm. The stuff that happened in Egypt was not what went on in Goshen. And so then that, as they went out, that, that continued to, to be the, to be the case. Like God, like established that difference and then was, uh, let's say like nurturing, husbanding mm-hmm. that difference throughout. But of course there was, that there, there, there was not total agreements. Yeah. There, there was lots of bad stuff that happened. They ended up instead of just being pilgrims, like with a, a one-way ticket straight to the promised land, you know, they, there ended up being a rebellion, and they had to wander around for forty years until all those people were dead. Right. But it didn't change the fact that over over the course of that whole period, God through Moses, and then Joshua, was they they were doing everything that they could to establish the boundaries. Mm-hmm to 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 define what it means to be inside of this camp yeah inside of this holy people mm-hmm. like like what what defines the one on the inside and what defines the one on the outside i you know i'm just kind of sitting here pondering that how so i mean i haven't really appreciated that before so moses and aaron are having to deal, having to overcome 400 years of, I mean, like a slave of slave mindset and, yeah. and dependency. Yep. And, uh, like you said, they had to wander. So we, so they had to wander around in the desert till a generation died off. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, that's, I don't know. That's just, that's fascinating. I'd never really thought about that. Right. And, and that, that's, that's also typical of God's judgments on his people. It seems like they would last long enough that one generation would basically or entirely die out, but the next generation got another chance. Yeah. 
um, I mean, un- until of course, I mean, like like Israel, like that they they never came back, mm-hmm. but they're still apparently going to get another chance. Yeah, Paul talks about that in so Romans. Do we see any of that? Because so I, I want to say when you talk about like the the uh, um, like Judah falls to Babylon, and then Israel, so Israel falls to is it Persia? Anyways. And then we, so like we have Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, did anybody, was anybody alive for the return to the Holy Land that, that experienced the exile? Or is that another example of a, a generation dying off? That's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but but it seems like, um, that Hezekiah, you know, we were talking about the book of Hezekiah earlier. <laughs> ha right. ha. Right. The, the, there, there were like he he was in captivity, and he did get to go back, but I don't know necessarily that that he like I think he may have been born in captivity, but don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been hanging out a whole lot in the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. Lately, so. I need to, mm-hmm. I'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that's really what, what this is, what this is all about. Um, definition of the inside definition of the border definition of the outside and how, how we deal with, with that whole dynamic. And I, I think that, that one way of understanding how specific and strict the law happens to be mm-hmm. in in the books of Moses. I, I think that that was in order to establish a cultural to, to like to reestablish a holy cultural consciousness that recognized the inside and recognized the outside mm-hmm. and recognized the difference between God and the idols that everyone else sought after mm-hmm. so that there would be a people who would be ready for the coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Because with that, without that, without that mindset, then, then nobody's ready. And, and the situation that God knew that he needed to bring about to bring his son into the world couldn't take place without a people even if it only ended up many times being a remnant within that holy people, which that, that that's another way of thinking about it. You, I mean, think about Elijah and you've got, you know, he, he's, all, he's all bummed out because he thinks that he's the only one left out of, you know, that nobody else in Israel cares anything about who God is. Mm-hmm. And God says that he has, he, uh, he reserved himself a remnant of 7,000. Hmm. So you have like the whole nation of Israel then sort of being, a wilderness, and, and but you have this holy remnant that's within Israel. So, as we were talking about this earlier, I was thinking about the passage from, well, it's, I guess it's technically Leviticus is what I'm finding, because, so, hold on, First Peter 1, 16, so this is 13 through 16. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, 
so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So that's coming from, says Leviticus 11, 44, yeah, 45, yeah. and then 19, 2. 11, 44, and 45 says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. And then 19.2 says what? I hope this doesn't sound planned because I'm actually just, I'm doing this real time here. (laughs) Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Yeah, exactly. So God is different. Mm-hmm. His ways are not our ways. His thought are His thoughts are not our thoughts. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so His ways are higher than our own. And yet, and yet, He makes Himself known to us. Yeah. Which that's the other thing too. It, it and that that that's so fascinating that the way that you actually interact with God is by recognizing how different and above us he is. Like, like that's actually the thought that leads you into recognizing how near and close and with us he is, Mm -hmm. is to first recognize his, like the separation. Yeah. And I think that's because the, 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 the way to learn more truth is to start with truth. Like truth is a thing that grows. Mm -hmm. So it's like, man, God is good. And that's really good that he's good. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not like that. Yeah. I wish I were more like that. Yeah. It seems like he loves me mm-hmm. and I don't deserve that. Yeah. I wish I were more like that. Mm-hmm. Like loving even when it's not deserved. So, so you see what I mean? It's it's in recognizing that difference that we start having these thoughts that he wants us to have in the first place, which is like fellowship with him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's but, kind of, kind of a mystery, I guess. Yeah, it, it, man, I'm. It's like I feel like I'm almost there on something because you know we're we're still working on the fruit of the spirit, and you know it's interesting how when you're particularly when you're studying something, uh that tends to be the lens through which you look at a lot of other things. Sure. Let's say. And so, um, one of the themes with the fruit of the spirit seems to be, these are things that come from a place of, uh, like, so like we know there's unconditional love, but it seems like many of the other fruits of the spirit, when, when, when displayed as attributes, sorry, one of the, many of the other elements of the fruit of the spirit, uh, I guess at least when it, when it's an attribute of God come from a place of like, like they're, they're not being conditions. Hmm. I say that, but as I'm thinking about it, certainly there are things that are, there's the condition of obedience. Let's say remain in me and I will remain in you. Right. But then, um, you know, when you think of like, uh, or maybe not so much that there's conditions, but it but but it's our our being undeserving, let's say. So like when we are beneficiaries of his kindness or beneficiaries of his peace or beneficiaries of his goodness, like 
we don't deserve any of that, mm-hmm. you know? And so like goodness is when we were talking about today and I, I keep feeling like I'm almost onto something as you're talking about God's goodness. Um, because that one's, that one's interesting because you talk about kindness and you talk about goodness and you maybe tend to think those are maybe one and the same, but it's like you said before with holiness and righteousness and how there is a distinction when it comes to goodness, you know, a lot of the passage we're, is, passages we're reading, it tends to, to almost point to, uh, like, physical things. Hmm. God's goodness. Can well, be- it, it makes me think about when he said that the, the, the finished creation was good and very good. So it seems connected to the idea of completion, mm-hmm. completeness. Yeah. Anyways. I guess I just wanted to think out loud a little bit and see if that knocks something loose. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. Well, so he- here are a couple more examples. So it, so if, if we first have this, this understanding of this kind of delineation that's, or like demarcation that, that's happening with God giving the law, which is simply an actual like verbally, uh, expressed and I guess you could say legally codified expression of patterns that already existed in Genesis, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with inside and outside, like with Eden and the ark and, uh, the, the, the false holiness of the tower of Babel. And then Abraham being selected out of, out of all the masses of people. So then, if if you take that understanding of inside and outside, um, holy versus unholy, it, it makes it a whole lot easier, I think, to understand the law. Mm-hmm. So when when you get into Leviticus, you know, you get into a whole lot of nitty gritty, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of blood, a lot of guts, a lot of g- gory stuff. I mean, what to do about everything from mold to emissions to uh, secretions yeah. to, I mean, you know, just every manner of thing. Yeah. Dead bodies on and on and on and on. What well, one of the, the really interesting things that, that we've paused on and, and that I'd really like to learn more about is on the day of atonement. One of the things that happens is that two goats are brought before the high priest, two male goats. And Lots are cast, which that's that's a whole other. That's a whole other the whole other rabbit trail that I'm not even remotely prepared to mm-hmm. to go down. But but lots are cast over the goats. Yeah, and one goat, if if the the the, the two options are for the Lord and for Azazel. So one goat, the, the goat that the lot falls on, who's for the Lord the the priest sacrifices that goat. Mm-hmm. But the lot that falls to Azazel, the priest places his hands on the goat's head and places the sins of the people. It's a scapegoat. The, it's the scapegoat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of Bibles just say uh, one for the Lord and one for the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. But what it says is for Azazel, which... I don't know everything that that means. It's really weird. And it's, and who or what Azazel is, isn't, isn't quite the point. 
But what what would happen is that they would, you know, again the high priest places hands on the goat's head and then send it out into the wilderness. Yeah. And it would just go out there, hmm. away from the camp. Yeah. And be gone. And so I read that with the kids, and we're all just looking at each other like, "What's going on here?" Yeah. And here, here's how. I mean, and I took like a week to think about this. Is a goat naturally inclined to just wander off? No. Yeah. No. Not not to my knowledge in in my experience. You know, six or seven years of goat experience. Mm-hmm. That's that's not that's not how it tends to work. Yeah. I mean, like a goat might wander around a little bit and you know see see what see what green stuff is is over you know, someplace else instead of the place where you want the goat to be. But yeah. like goats, goats are not like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're just not stay like that. close to the herd. They're herd animals, very much so. Right. Goats are not solitary. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't, I don't exactly know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But we're, without, without trying to get into to all the nitty gritty of that, you have one for the Lord and it stays in the camp. I mean, it's killed, but it's in the camp. But then you have the one on whom were the sins, and it's it's sent out of the camp. Mm-hmm. And by the, so, uh, I, I guess I got to get into this a little bit. Azazel seems to be the name of a goat demon, hmm. and that that's referred to in Leviticus as well. Uh, there's a verse. And I'd say it's like the late teens, like 19 or something where it says, so folks, um, you really need to stop sacrificing to the goat demon. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Please don't do that anymore. And it's, it's right after Azazel's talked about. Mm-hmm. So w- what it seems like to me without getting into all the potential weirdness that might be going on, it seems like it's saying your sins don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Stop it. We're we're sending this goat out, and he can go hang out with the goat demon because that's where the sins belong. Yeah, not not here, not in the camp of God's people. They have no place here. Hmm. Like, and you know what happens? You know what this stuff leads to? You see that dead goat? That's what happens. Hmm. That or hanging out with the goat demon and, and need like this, this just, this isn't good. So stop it. Hmm. So again, even that, however much weird stuff might be out there to, to learn about that. It seems like the idea is defining what life is supposed to look like on the, in, on the inside as opposed to life on the outside. Okay. Well, while we're talking about things, we're at an hour 14. Okay. While we're talking about things that we're not quite, Sure of. Let me ask you this then. This is going back to the fruit of the Spirit sure. and goodness. It says, As Jesus stared, started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, Why do you call me good? Jesus mm-hmm. answered, No one is good except God alone. And then he starts, goes into the commandments. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother, so on and so forth. So, again, trying to maybe draw a correlation here. So we're talking about God and goodness and being so holy, 
perhaps or, or so how does that how does that correlate to because we've talked a lot about commandments and obedience uh like how does that correlate to holiness hmm. is it the the obedience to commandments that make us holy i, I mean i I, th- I think that okay but part of part of its o- obedience but i would say that the the roots of the spirit are all indicators of a person who is who who is holy mm-hmm. if a person cares about being like those things more because that's how jesus yeah. was and is right i mean that's that's holiness so so the- H- however failed the attempts might be that's that's holiness so manifesting the fruit of the spirit doesn't make you holy being holy the product of being holy is the fruit of the spirit um like i i would say that the holiness starts with the inclination mm-hmm. and that 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 those desires are like the seed that ends up producing fruits of the spirit right um I think about that that old hymn. Uh, what's what's the name of it? It'll come to me in a second. Where it says, uh, "All the fitness he requires is to feel your need for him." Is it before the throne of God above? Yeah, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect peace. Mm-hmm. The great high priest, whose name is Love, whoever uh, lives and pleads for me. One of the verses of that song says, "Yeah, all the fitness he requires is to feel." your need for him. And, you know, uh, Winston, this is something that Winston says, which I think is incredibly wise. He said that God cares way more about your direction than your precise location. Hmm. Interesting. So, which has to do with intent. Yeah. Not that, not that, you know, not that intent is, is everything and that fruit isn't important. But a person caring and making effort, yeah, is far is is indicative of of good things. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean it's kind of like it's uh, in the New Testament it talks about testing the spirits, and um, only you can only say that Jesus Christ is Lord by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. or that that the spirit cries out in us, Abba father. Hmm. So it's like, you know, a person could be struggling with X, Y, and Z, but if that person is praying, Abba father, help me. Mm-hmm. There, there's some care and some interest there that, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, the prodigal son as the, the prodigal son is holy. As soon as he's like, has the thought, wait a second, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I'm in the wrong place. Yeah. I'm doing the wrong thing. The, the servants have it better in my father's house than I've got it here. I'm going and I'm repenting. And so I think he was holy even before he got to his father. Hmm. Not that he was sinless. Not that he was perfect. Right. Not that he was even forgiven yet. Yeah. But he was holy. He was holy because he was different. Well, so there's one we haven't listed then yet because we said, you know, holy ground, holy dwelling, holy... What were the other holies we've done? Holy Sabbath. Holy Garments. Holy Garments. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
And maybe that'll be next week. All right. Holy Spirit. I think that that'll be a great topic. That I mean, you could take it if you want to, but if you don't, that'll probably be the next thing that I tackle. Well, I'll tell you two things that I, I was thinking of talking about, which one of which is, well, so there's two things I was thinking of talking about. Uh, obviously, I'm on a little bit of a fruit of the spirit kick, so that I think that would be beneficial. Yeah. Uh, another one, though, is uh, like this, what we're doing here. I mean, actually, I alluded to that earlier where uh, I'm stingy with my likes because I feel like there's probably 10 or 15 other people probably doing the same thing <laughs> on the Internet. Like, that's why I, I sometimes have trouble doing this because, you know, any Yahoo with a microphone nowadays can, like, have their own TV channel. It's true, <laughs> you know. But I, I preached a sermon one time on maybe kind of just what, what I think what I my what I think our conduct on the internet should be. And so I thought I might might do that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So there's a teaser for one of the two things for next week on Deutero Cannons. Same Deutero time. Same Deutero channel. Isn't it same Canon channel? Same Canon channel. I don't know. We didn't really make that a thing. Is it a thing now? <laughs> we did it once, remember? We did do it once. So you still have it somewhere? I, I do have it somewhere. You can fix it in post. I, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is that it? First Deutero Cannons from Russellville, Kentucky is a wrap. So pray? You're supposed to. All right, here we go. Let me take my hat off. I'm going to take my microphone. Microphone. Headphones off. All right. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time, uh, this time of, of, of learning and study. God, we ask that, we just pray that what, what, what we've discussed here is uh, pleasing in your sight and be beneficial to those that hear it. Uh, God, more than anything, we, we thank you for Jesus. We ask you to help us to be more like him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>